Ghanaian passport will grant you access to 65 countries visa-free or visa on arrival. With a South African passport, you can get 100 countries visa-free. With a Ugandan passport, it gives you access to 64 countries. But do you know how many countries Nigerian passport gives you access to? Hi, it's Lara here and you're listening to Those Nigerians where myself and my lovely co-host will be sharing with you all things exciting and insightful about Nigeria's culture, history, politics, business and all-round entertainment. Keep listening for new stories about the same people. And welcome to episode two of Those Nigerians. For this conversation, I have with me another co-host. And for your introduction, I would like you to imagine yourself at the Nigerian embassy. You've only got 60 seconds to convince them of why you deserve a Nigerian passport and obviously letting them know who you are as well. Hello, madam. Hello, sir. Um, I'm going to Nigeria for family function in two weeks' time, and I really need my passport. Um, my name is Udowo. Um, I am. I live in South London, um, and if I can introduce myself, I am a freelance project coordinator. Um, I also do a bit of social media managing, and I'm currently, honestly, this would really, really wow you. I'm currently doing 100 Days of Nigerian History, showing my Instagram community um, what it means to be in Nigeria and our various history. I beg you, please, um, at this point, I am crying. Please give me a passport. Right. So on a more serious note, then, would you actually beg for a Nigerian passport? Yep, because I have had to. Have um, you? Yeah, yeah. Um, if not for like my aunt who used to be a diplomat, there's, um, you know, you just have to. I have, I've had to because I've been desperate. Um, I, I think at some point there was a shortage in passport books. I don't know if you remember. Oh, um, yeah. So everyone was begging. So no one was kind of like, if you didn't know anyone, eventually I realized that my aunt could help. So I didn't really need to beg as much. But sadly, that's the nature of Nigeria, as we know. If you know, yeah. it's hard to kind of get anywhere, which is annoying. Um, but yeah. Was that was that the Nigerian embassy in Nigeria or here? No, here, here. The one in central London. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite crazy because I think when I when I thought about that introduction for you, I was sort of just, I don't know, well, we'll figure that more out as we talk about this topic that I have in mind. But I was just thinking, a lot of people, obviously, um, with the Nigerian passport and the value that is on it and the amount of stress, like you've rightly just mentioned, that you have to go through sometimes to just get your application through and get your passport. You're just thinking, if I had a choice... If I never have to beg for a Nigerian passport, that would be like bliss. But then if you had to beg, then would you really beg? So I think when it comes to visa costs, um, you would beg because a visa is a lot more than getting the passport. And that's the issue. If a visa was cheap, so for example, when I went to Kenya last year, it was only like £30 on arrival. But in Nigeria, that is, there's no way you're going to pay £30 for a visa. So yeah. it's another way of, if you know, if you want to encourage tourism, you would entice them by making it affordable to come to your country. But, mm-hmm. You know, it's hard. Like if I have friends, you know, let's say 
I had a family function and I wanted my friends from the UK from that in with various cultures to come over, they would have to factor in their ticket. That's normal. But then mm-hmm. like a plus one hundred pounds visa. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah. 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 No, that's an expense boy. But moving on to what we actually want to talk about today. So when I thought about this episode, obviously you came straight to my mind as the person to have this conversation with because of the work you do um, on your Instagram, the way that you showcase Nigeria and Nigeria's talents and beauty and people and history. And I thought, well, let's have this conversation because the other day on the streets of Instagram, I was just minding my business and I saw this post uh, that a lady on Twitter had posted for someone had reposted on Instagram. And she basically said something like this, the sooner Nigeria drops this childish sense of entitlement that they have over this continent, the better. You guys can't be good in everything. You don't own Africa. Uganda is a way better country than Nigeria politically, geographically, socially, even in music, we beat you guys. I said it. Now, when I first when I first read this, I was like, ah, what effrontery, what audacity, as in Obadje, you're rude. How could you? And you can imagine, obviously, a lot of people on Instagram really just went for her. And the Nigerians on Twitter were not playing. They were not here for that conversation. When you heard that statement, what was the first thing that came to your mind? To be honest, it's not a, a statement that I fully disagree with, or nor is it a statement that I fully agree with. So I'm kind of like in the middle. Um, right. I don't know have any idea of any Ugandan musicians or DJs you know I'm sure maybe they have their they're very big in terms of the house scene I don't know you know but they don't really stand out as Afrobeats from Nigeria or Afrobeats artists in Ghana or do you know what I mean or, or musicians within sub-Saharan Africa I don't know anything about Uganda but I do know in terms of like what does contribute to their foreign economy very big agriculture. Nigeria is big with agriculture, but I'm seeing lately that there is a big thing for the government. The government is really trying to encourage people to get into agriculture, um, which is good. And then obviously Uganda is like the second largest producer of coffee. And tourism is big. Like I would love to go to Kampala. Come on, like, you know, it seems like it's orderly. It seems like it's structured. But in terms of politics, you know, I guess maybe you can talk more about that. I don't know about their politics, but obviously I know our politics isn't great, so, yeah. I mean, politically, I don't really think they're in the best position to speak because they've had the same precedent for the last 35 years or so. Uh, so when it, in that realm, I, I really wouldn't... It, there's nothing to envy. Um, but I suppose what she was also trying to imply, you know, with Nigerian being referred to very often as the giants of Africa... There is something implicit there about, you know, we don't own Africa. And for me, as I was reading the comments and tweets, and I think, you know, like you rightly said, I'm I'm neither here nor there with that comment because really there's a lot of things to be concerned about when it comes to Nigeria. And someone made a comment that Nigeria is like a polygamous family. Uh, mm-hmm. They're never really united inside. But outside, they're so concerned about protecting their family name. Mm. Uh, Well, that's quite that's quite an apt um, analogy, uh, really. But let's talk a bit more about this Nigeria being the giant of Africa and what this lady is really trying to say. So we can break it down into different sections, obviously. Firstly, why do you think Nigeria is often referred to as the giant of Africa? 
I think like when I was just kind of like researching, um, just as I, I was preparing to kind of co-host with you, um, an article um, from The Guardian Nigeria mentioned that, you know, we are we are giants because of our population. We have under 200 million people in Nigeria and Lagos is one of the most populous cities. You can imagine we have, we are like the richest country in Africa. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of accolades in, 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 in those regards. We've, you know, we've birthed a very, one of the biggest film industries in the world, Nollywood, um, we have pioneered um, a, a genre of music, i.e. Afrobeats. You know, you can't talk about Afrobeats without mentioning um, the king, one of the founding fathers of Afrobeats, which is Fela Kuti. Um, so we're giants in that sense, but we're not giants in the sense that we're, all that I've mentioned isn't managed well. You have a huge population, but many of your population are unemployed. Um, you have um, natural resources, but there's problems with that. Um, so great, you know, in terms of like you check online, you know, you'll see all of that. But at the same time, we know that you can't really call your, yourself such a grand name or, or hold such a huge position um, in the world when, you know, you're, you don't really, your name is not really what exactly you are. Like you're just definitely, I don't know, you're a progressive giant, I would say. I wouldn't say they're fully, fully there yet. Yeah. Yeah, so let's break it down because obviously you've mentioned quite a few things um, that makes Nigeria quite renowned all over the world and probably contributes to the reason why it's referred to as the giant of Africa. So let's just take it bit by bit. Let's peel the layers. So firstly, politically, um, like this lady in her, in her statement said, she said, Uganda is a way better country than Nigeria politically. I don't want us to necessarily compare any other country with Nigeria, but let's just look at Nigeria solely um, in its own merit and just think, when you think of Nigerian's politics, What's the first thing that comes to your mind? The first thing that comes to my mind immediately is corruption, um, is poorly managed funds, is um, the government having to extradite people from different parts of the world to bring back money that's owned to them. Abacha comes to mind because this guy, dead long time ago, they're still finding money um, in different parts or in offshore accounts that he's obviously... Um, stolen from the country when he was um, in power at the time so yeah definitely corruption is definitely the big you know bold header yeah say. yeah but on the flip side I guess I guess the thing with Nigerian corruption is just that it, it goes hand in hand so much that you almost kind of get fed up about talking about you get fed up of talking about it in the sense mm. that um, it's been there for so long and it's become such a part of Nigeria's character that when you mention corruption, I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, you just roll your eyes and you think, yeah, I mean, mm. it's, it's the bread and butter. Um, and I think when people talk about corruption in Nigeria, you can really spend the whole day, um, you know, you can spend an infinite amount of time just breaking it down. But what I've discovered recently, um, especially during the last election, is that people are really making the effort to change that narrative. Yeah. 
especially mm-hmm. with a lot of young Nigerians coming out now. And I think that was aided by the fact that the president, uh, President Buhari, in 2018, um, he signed the Not Too Young to Run bill, which essentially reduced the age that you need to be in order for you to run for an elected position. So you can be as young as 25 now and run for um position in the House of Representative and House of Assembly. So that is quite a, pro- a progress for Nigeria um, in that sense. And were you were you aware or were you observing the political scene? Um, was it last year they had an, an election when he was, yeah. it was last year, wasn't it? And I think, you know, like I said, you had a lot of new candidates who wouldn't necessarily have done so in the past. And you had even younger ones as well um, who came out and they were running for positions. I mean, is that something to be hopeful? Is that, does that give you hope? Do you think, think that so. might make any difference in, in a few years' time? So definitely the 2019 election was, some, was an election that I followed. A lot of young people were encouraged to follow, but even in the UK or like on Twitter, it was blowing off um a lot of people wanted to be aware of um, parties and their candidates and their manifestos it was a good year for nigerian politics in a sense it was a year to to obviously empower the youths to to vote empower the youths to um um get them prepare themselves for positions of power in various parties Um, so it was a good year um i think it was good to see that you know a lot of the youth were hoping that hopefully one of the uh, Tiku or Buhari wouldn't win. But at the back of their minds, they knew that these two parties have been the dominant parties um, in Nigeria for a long time. That, you know, unfortunately, you, 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 know, you try and be hopeful, but with the money that some of these individuals have behind them, um, it's very difficult for you to kind of stand um, beside such giants in that sense. But, yeah, it was encouraging to see, um, especially the fact that there was even more women um, contesting for BVPs and um, to be um, the president of, of Nigeria. So I think it would definitely, 2019 really did, and I hope it would continue to encourage that year as a, as a, as a case study to empower young people to vote and empower young people to, to, to study politics, to take politics seriously, um, because it's important. You know, the way the country is, will be, or has been, is a result of us not really contributing to you know not voting or not really putting any mind to um you know how nigeria should become will become, yeah or, or hasn't become you know what i mean yeah yeah i think it was definitely the year for sowing seeds um that would hopefully grow into something more meaningful and impactful in a couple of years time especially as the next election comes around the corner um hopefully the activities of last year from various um from various candidates would really go a long way and they would reap the fr- the reward of their their labour. Um, did you have any particular, was there any particular candidate that you thought, if only this person would become the governor or the president, life would be so much different and things would be so progressive and everything would just be better. Was there anybody in particular that you... Mm, I think on my timeline, I guess the, the person that um, was very, very like prominent in their campaigning was, I'll say, fellow fella. Um, Duotoye. Yeah. Um, he is um someone who, you know, 
didn't come unqualified he's been doing loads of things before even wanting to contest um so yeah he did seem someone that was fresh and um and I think he's still someone that the young people um like love and would still that they would still support in the years to come because for example if you just look on his Instagram he's very encouraging like he posts a lot of encouraging videos and these are the kind of things young people like to see it seems like he's, he's relatable so if he continues like I guess campaigning, not campaigning, you know what I mean, in a sense where he's still doing his thing. Yeah. That he's a prolific figure. I don't see any reason why he couldn't win a, a great seat um, in the next election. Yeah, totally. I think one of the things that didn't really help him was that he just, you know, yeah, he'd been doing a lot of things for the, for the young people and, you know, running programs and things like that. But in terms of politics, he wasn't particularly known and it just mm. seemed like he came out of nowhere. Obviously, one of the, one of the reasons why Nigeria is often referred to as the giants of Africa is because of its population of, I think it was estimated at 200 million last year. Um, and 60% of that population are young people under the age of 30. So clearly we've got our human resources that is that is an asset um, in terms of age. But I just want to get your feel generally. When you hear about, when people talk about Nigerians, what, what are some of the buzzwords or some of the words that generally characterises um, Nigerian? So positively, I would say um, we're hardworking, resilient, um, you know, I guess we're go-getters. Um, you know, we, when we do when we do work, we're concerned to do good work. But on the negative side, unfortunately, we are seeing um, some people some people's perception of us is that well, we may be corrupt. We involve ourselves in um, you know four one nine, i.e., maybe like the online crime, different crime, um, Yahoo kind of activities. Um, but generally, I would say Nigerians are hardworking people. Um, when you go to Nigeria, um, you just see, even just driving through the mainland, for example, particularly Lagos, you just see how people are constantly hustling, go from the fact that, you know, selling on Third Mainland Bridge, people are hustling, selling anything and everything. Like I've seen people selling artwork in traffic, people selling chewing gum, everything, you name it. Very, very resourceful people, um, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely resourceful and resilient. And you, you know, when you mention people um, selling things in traffic, in my mind, I also just, you know, it's such a shame. I mean, it's a good thing in terms of the resilience and the hard work and the tenacity. But when I see children in traffic selling and hawking and stuff, it just, it's quite sad because on the one hand, you're thinking, well, this kid should be in school. They should be getting an education, um, especially when you see them during daytime. Um, when they should be somewhere else but in terms of the resilience that's one thing that I hear a lot and I was just wondering do you think it's a it's an inherent thing or do you think the community that we find ourselves in has contributed to that resilience as it were Um, because you know you get a lot of entrepreneurs in Nigeria you get all the young people because they can't get jobs um, they have to resort to finding something to do for themselves and on the one hand, I think that is a that that is a noble effort. You know, it's 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 a good thing rather than being jobless or you know just being aimless. However, on the other hand, I think it's um, 
I wonder if it's always, if that resilience is always a positive thing because it's almost like, it's almost a struggle. It's almost like struggle is, is couched in the language of resilience. What do you think? Do you know what? If you're not resilient in Nigeria, particularly, um, you won't eat um, because there isn't much support in terms of a welfare state or a well-established welfare state that people are aware of or people are exposed to. Um, So resilience is something that, you know, even if you didn't want to be resilient, you have to be because it's a manner of survival. That's the truth, you know. Um, If you don't sell if you don't wake up every morning to beat traffic to get to work, you're going to lose your job. So automatically that environment causes for resilience. If you don't have that entrepreneurial venture and you don't push through and you don't go to certain networking events to get contracts, that is a level of resilience, you know. Even though within the UK, you know, you have to be resilient, you know, things are not necessarily spoon-fed. If you really want to do stuff, you have to work at it. But for example, if you were out of work and you know you needed some support by the government all you needed to do is go on you know dot gov and apply for um you know um, universal credit what how are people is there is that is there opportunities for people in nigeria to do that um no because it, it what happens is normal lay people are the ones that are creating such initiatives that should be from the government to support people who for example maybe maybe you know, they've lost their both parents, their orphans, or people that may need business support. It's individual people on Instagram that are creating huge business initiatives. Um, and these are things where that should be coming from the top, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's encouraging to see that people are, you know, doing, they have great entrepreneurial ventures that's helping individuals in Nigeria. But it's definitely very important that initiatives, big initiatives like this to help the people should really be coming from, the government, then NGOs, and then whoever wants to do it. But it's not seeming like that. It's like NGOs, then government. It's weird. Yeah, totally. And I know that, you know, you speak of resilience and immediately my mind just goes back to all those people living in Lagos who have to beat traffic. And sometimes they live only 20 minutes away, maybe a couple of miles away, but the amount of hours they need to be sitting in traffic just to get to work and to get back home, it's quite ridiculous, you know. And speaking of welfare system, I know that certain states are are better than others in terms of providing some sort of welfare. And I know Lagos State is usually one of the main ones people refer to. But then my response to that usually is Lagos is just one of 36 states in Nigeria and we need it to become more than, oh, well, Lagos does this or Lagos does that. It needs to become more of all of these different states are doing so much to provide and to make life that little bit easier um, for their citizens. Speaking of um, young Nigerians, I'm really impressed with um, some of the projects that I see online that get featured. So in terms of their contribution to tech and just the progressive attitude in terms of contributing to Nigeria's economy and developing things in the health sector, in the finance sector, creating efficiency, you know, improving data and all that stuff. Is there any, are you, are you aware of any particular groups doing anything notable or worthy of mention currently? 
Well, in terms of like entrepreneurship amongst young people in Nigeria. Yeah, and just young people doing amazing things. I think there's a lot, honestly. This That could seriously be a podcast. There's so many young people who are um, innovating um, tech, are great with apps. So, like, for example, there's an app called Piggy Vest, I believe, Corey Wise. So this is an app, you know, made for millennials or anyone who wants to save to kind of think of their financial future. Because I think with Nigeria, sometimes it's about you have the money, you spend it, you live lavishly. And they're trying to kind of help educate people with the money. Even if you have little, you can still save in, and invest. Um, and I think they buy kind of shares from a range of like even um, corporations and everyone can, you know, you can have a stake in it. So, and just like, for example, you know, um, stuff like workspaces like for example workspace.ng um loads of workspaces are popping off so obviously post um before covid a lot of people were able to like you know a good space for entrepreneurs to kind of go and work and meet other entrepreneurs you know such great initiatives um that you know that really do help um you as a thriving creative or thriving entrepreneur in nigeria and loads of food on the go so for example mobile food um businesses amazing restaurants um a lot like there's a lot happening and a lot of it's definitely been pioneered by young people um, yeah young people who you know you know they would have to hustle and do different things to kind of get enough money to start or some may be fortunate enough to have wealthy parents who can help them invest in their business but um i guess my thing is is the fact that obviously entrepreneurship is such a big thing in nigeria um, and it's something that I guess the government is trying to support. Um, but like in the UK, for example, let's say you weren't working, the government would support you with a mentor and help you with your business plan and all of those. There's loads of initiatives and loans. But it, it's like you said, like maybe in Lagos that might exist. But my concern as well is like in other states, what is being done to help? Since entrepreneurship is such a big, everyone must be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And business man. You can't. You can't just, some people, it's hard for anyone to just have one job. You always have to be burnt out and have a side hustle because your one main job isn't sufficient. That's frustrating for some people. And that's my, that's my problem. And I feel like sometimes that is what also contributes to corruption because you're never really quite certain about, how far your resources can get you so you always feel like you need to get more you need to get more so you're providing your own security you know you've got your own gig man or your own dog or whatever else you use to protect yourself you are basically your own your own energy provider because of the constant lack of electricity you have to you know think about your generator and how to fuel that etc you're providing so much for yourself that in a country where People aren't really earning that much generally. And when I say people, I don't, I'm not talking about the 10% of the well-off people or perhaps the now uprising um, middle-class population. But, you know, a lot of people are still living in poverty. But just kind of contributing to what you said about entrepreneurship, you know, I also recently discovered an amazing project by um, three Nigerians. They're working as a team and they co-founded this organization called Helium Health. And what they're basically trying to do is they're creating, um, they're creating, uh, they've created a software for hospital management, information system and electronic medical records. So that is meant to help with like managing data, helping the hospital to improve their efficiency and generally 
collating data, uh, not just across Nigeria, but, but across Africa as well. So I imagine that would go a really long way. And it's currently being used by, I, I think, like six different African countries. And they've got about 30,000 users, which is not a lot when you think of the population of Africa. But they've recently just secured a $2 million um $2 million fun, um, funding. So hopefully that will go a long way and it will in encourage more Nigerians in that in that realm to just keep pushing and to keep doing uh, and keep innovating. But let's go back to, um, so let's just quickly touch on like the social aspect in terms of the pop culture and the influence. So you mentioned earlier on about Nollywood and, you know, socially music as well. Everybody knows Nigerian music. I mean, well, maybe not everybody, but it's, it's gaining ground um, all over the world and just the fusion of Afrobeats with other genre of music. It's something that is well known and a lot of Nigerians are at the forefront of that. Um, what what's your what's your what's your take when you look online or you look socially and what how do you think Nigeria is faring in that regard? We've we've had a lot of you know great successes from um, Afrobeats. Um, Nigerians being nominated for big awards, winning BET awards, winning amazing awards, um, and and it, it just shows that you know regardless of the fact that your environment may be difficult to thrive sometimes that you haven't allowed it to, to be a stumbling block. Like Burner Boy is doing amazing. Whiskey is doing amazing. The Vido, um, the Asha. There's so many artists that are really, really, regardless of their environment and how difficult it is sometimes to work in, in places where you would, it, has to, it takes a while to, to get responses. Um, it takes a while to get, you know, the government or key figures on board, you know, things may be slow and not as efficient and fast. Like, you know, you, despite all of that, you're still thriving, you know. Nollywood, Nollywood is an industry that has existed since the 1960s, you can imagine. And it's gone a long way, you know. People are still very critical of Nollywood. But, you know, you know, what on Netflix, come on, you know. Whether the content is great or, or it could be better. But it's the fact that we're there. And recently, Netflix has done a deal that is actually Netflix Nigeria. So yeah. it means that. Netflix are investing in original content made in Nigeria. Um, and so that is definitely going to be a, ch a game changer um, for content and video producers in Nigeria because they can really say that, you know, I'm going to keep making stuff in the hope that I will get on these platforms, you know, that's yeah. important. Yeah, I think the potential is so massive literally with Nigeria and with Nollywood and even the music industry and I think with the evolution of technology as well and how easy it is to get your to get your work on different platforms now it, it's only going to get better so now there are a lot of people who are becoming well known through Instagram through Facebook they've got a wider platform than through YouTube as well and it's only a matter of time really before you're more prominent and, and you're well known for your work and you get the accolades that you deserve. But in, in rounding up the conversation, I want us to go back to the initial question, which is about Nigerian being the young of Africa, which was also influenced by that lady's comment on Twitter um, saying we don't own Africa. Do you think that Nigeria deserves that title? 
this this could be seen as controversial um (laughs) you know I don't know if people are gonna like attack me in the dms but I don't care um I think we are progressive giants um we are only giants because of our population but you know if you're a giant and you're supposed to be someone a country that's well known um or or given such a big title you must um live up to your title Uh and you have a big population but a lot of people in your population are really 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 struggling um not to say that in other countries that isn't the case but in Nigeria people are struggling you feel it you see it all over Instagram it's not hidden this is not um (laughs) North Korea that you know we don't know we don't see we don't hear we can see it um it's also unfortunate that they're poorly managed things that could actually make them a giant so like their resources or giving or giving away our contracts to to foreign nationals not trusting within your country um you know for example in Nigeria there's a lot of there's a big Chinese community I'm sure you're aware yeah um, and you know it's okay you know it's you know you let you know you can let foreign nationals in but it's the fact that you're giving these people big contracts like for example to build a railway are you telling me that within your population that there isn't a Nigerian that can project manage a railway there isn't a, a Nigerian that could um head up some of these things and then hire foreign nationals if they need to yeah you yeah. shouldn't really be it should be Nigerians consider your, your people first then followed by foreign nationals not the other way around you know so yeah it's just it's it's it's, it's a whole mess but I do trust and hope that, you know, progressively it will get better. And we just can't be people who, we just have to be hopeful. We just have to try and be positive, but then still recognise that there's a lot to be done. There's a lot we can do um, as, I guess, being people who are living in the diaspora to help maybe, you know, if you wanted to invest in a business or if you wanted to, um, you know, go to Nigeria and start something for yourself that you think could help or, um, like for example, like you said, Helium, um, the health app, that's an amazing app, such initiative. You have great ideas in the UK as well that, you know, that you could consider partnering with a Nigerian NGO using your manpower, your, you know, maybe to, to, to help or, or to even just suggest you don't necessarily have to come and think, you know, because sometimes negatively people see that people from the West come and feel like they're more smarter, <laughs> not coming that way, but come in a way of, you know, I'm I'm happy to provide my services. I'm happy to, um, you know, I'm happy to give you my um special my specialties because I've studied this subject and because I know about it. Not that you are smarter than them, if you got what I mean. Totally, and I think that is a different conversation in its own, to be honest. But I I echo you know your sentiments in that regard, and I just feel like you know putting such a title, I can I, I can appreciate the reason why in terms of you know the population and the economy. You know we've got the largest um, our GDP uh, is is the number one in Africa, followed by South Africa, and then followed by Egypt, um, surprisingly, but. For me, when I think of, obviously, considering how many Nigerians are looking to leave the country because of how dire the situation of things can be or how dire the situation of things are, um, and which is why earlier on I asked you about, you know, begging for the Nigerian passport. I say that for most Nigerians, if you were to give them the option of choosing between a Nigerian passport or a foreign passport, many of them will not blink twice before they choose a foreign passport. You know, either a British passport, an American passport, you know, name a country in the West, 
people are looking to leave Nigeria and that is reflective of the current state of things. And so whilst we may want to um, pat ourselves on the back and still be riding on the title of the giants of Africa, we really need to consider what that truly means for Nigerians. I know that, you know, earlier on I asked you the question about, you know, would you beg for a Nigerian passport? And really you'd only beg for something if you see value in it. Um, so in that moment, there was value in it for you in the sense that you wanted to go to Nigeria to visit family, you know, ETC, and that was the best option for you. But mm. when you consider, when you compare other countries, for example, Ghanaian passport will grant you access to 65 countries visa-free or visa on arrival. With a South African passport, you can get 100 countries visa-free. With a Ugandan passport, it gives you access to 64 countries. But do you know how many countries Nigerian passport gives you access to? Just 44. Mad. In the whole world. And we're the giants of Africa. How can that be? So, you know... I echo your sentiment in saying that I think we're a progressive country. I think that we're making big strides. I think that, you know, with our young people, we are really the the beacon um, of hope, really, for that country. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't compare. I, I don't want to compare and contrast with any other African country. But just one final moment, I want to ask you, if Nigeria is in the giants of Africa, do you think any other country, any any other country in Africa could seriously contend for that position? I think every country has its issues. Um, I think, I guess maybe South Africa, but South Africa has got such a culturally messed up um, issues in terms of like the apartheid things, um, you know, the past, but some of it still like affecting their their. their they're present, um, they have a, a large crime rate, they have a large rape range, but in terms of South Africa's influence around Africa, they have it. For example, ShopRite. ShopRite is a South African company that's in a lot of African countries. MTN, MTN is South African. That is in a lot of, that's a very big, um, you know, mobile provider in a lot of African countries. Mm-hmm. So they have the influence that makes people the giant but it's got they've got loads of more than nitty-gritties that they need to fix um but i think if nigeria aren't careful in terms of like the african economy um like you you know like we can see from stats they're slowly getting there um and maybe they will you know i guess we have to really be concerned for competition obviously solidarity is important but like in terms of our economy we need to be looking how we can advance it you know, better than our, you know, the other people within our, within the continent as well, I would say. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I think really that is a good note to end this episode um, on, you know, the conversation can be so vast and it's so wide and we can't really, we can't explore it all in a 45 minutes um, episode, but I hopefully that will be a food for thought for many people and just consider really the value that Nigeria offers, that Nigerian young people offers and, and what we can do to continue to progress as a nation. So one final question I have for you, nothing to do with this topic at all, but if there was, if you were stranded on a desert and -hmm. you could only take one Nigerian with you, who would you take? 
Nigerian. One Nigerian that isn't your family member or your friend. Mm. I think I would take a Nigerian chef. So I would take this amazing um, chef called Chef Regs because he's an amazing cook. Um, I didn't know him personally, but like I'm always inspired by his Instagram, inspired by how he's building his brand and the fact that he does many pop-ups. Um, so yeah, because I would need to eat. Um, yeah, so definitely him. Yeah, no, that sounds like a good one. I actually know Chef Regs. Well, I don't know him personally, but I know that he got married, was it two years ago? And mm. that was when I really got to, you know, got to see his work. And yeah, a lot of Nigerians are doing some ama- so many amazing things with food, um, bringing diversity to the Nigerian cuisine. So amazing. So we've come to the end of episode two. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share, tell a friend to tell a friend and follow us on our Insta page at Those Nigerians. You can send me a DM if there is any particular topic you'd like me to talk about. But thank you once again for listening. You can listen on um, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts and on Anchor Podcast as well. Thank you very much, Itowu, for joining me on this episode. It's been amazing having you on, and thank you for your contribution. It's been, it's created for such a diverse conversation and a very enriching one, so thank you. Thanks, Crofty. Cheers.